Hello, and welcome to Humanities Centered, a podcast that explores research in the arts and humanities at Carleton College. I'm Clara Hardy, the director of Carleton's Humanities Center. Today, I'm talking with Andrew Carlson of our theater and dance department and his student research partner, Hannah Sheridan. We had a fascinating conversation, uh, and we'll start with a little context on the project from Andrew. The project I was doing was directing a, a show for a professional company in Winona, Minnesota called the Great River Shakespeare Festival. And the show was called Every Brilliant Thing. And Every Brilliant Thing is a one-person show um, that deals with really heavy topics such as mental illness and suicide. Um, And one of the things that was really important to me at the beginning of this project was to get a team together who would really help me deepen the context and the conversation surrounding this play. So we really aimed to not just do a play, but to create a conversation, to create a community conversation. And what I realized after working with Hannah Sheridan in a production of Midsummer Night's Dream um, was that she was an incredibly talented performer, but also um, such a great thinker, such a great um, collaborator. And as the proposals came out for the student research partners, I started thinking, you know, I think um, Hannah would be a really excellent member of this team that would help me to fuel the production itself with really good sound research and then help the community to facilitate a conversation surrounding um, mental illness. The role that I thought Hannah would be great doing is to function as a dramaturg. And dramaturgs are um, members of the artistic team who often provide contextual research in the room. They help to make sure that the story is clear, and they often lead these conversations um, post-show to facilitate deeper meanings. Um, So um, though Hannah didn't have a lot of background in dramaturgy, she was a a dramaturg in her core. I just feel it Um, because of the way she processed text, because of the conversations we had surrounding Midsummer Night's Dream and um, surrounding theater itself. So so I then applied to get Hannah uh, to become a a dramaturg on this this very um, interesting project of uh, Every Brilliant Thing. It's amazing. And so Hannah, you were hired to do a thing that you didn't even know you could do. That is true. Um, yeah, I really had to kind of do a couple Google searches on what dramaturgy was before I began the process. But um, yeah, it just it's I had heard the word before. I had known that it was something that sort of aligned with my interests. Um, and I think going into it, I knew I've, I've always just been interested in intersections between some of the academic work that I'm really used to doing by this point, And then like the creative work that we were doing in Winona. And so I think being a dramaturg really kind of helped bring those two pieces together because I had this text, this wonderful play that Andrew was doing, and I had to kind of do all the research on it, which felt very familiar, but it was in a different sense than I had ever sort of pulled apart a text before because it was um, less just analytical. We're doing this for an essay and more we're 
I'm presenting this information so that we can bring this script, these words on a page and like bring it to life, which was a very different um, approach. Yeah, so, so the audience for whom you're doing the research is maybe mm -hmm. a little bit different. Yes. And the, the goal, the purpose of the research is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. from Hannah, you were working with the actor as well as with Andrew on the mm -hmm. direction, bringing the research that you had done into their interpretation of, of what was happening? Yeah, I was sort of a jack of all trades <laughs> this summer. Um, it was a one-man show, so we were a really small team. It was us and stage management and then our actor. So in the rehearsal room, I would sort of, I would watch Andrew work with Michael Fitzpatrick, who was the um, actor. Um, I would sometimes give feedback and help with some um, prop handoffs because another thing that we were really working on this summer was working around the pandemic and bringing this show to an outdoor theater and there was a lot of problem solving that had to be done with that so that uh, became a large part of our job as well. Yeah, yeah, I think that was one of the interesting things that we realized in terms of the shaping of the research question. That originally, it was sort of like, you know, how can we bring this particular story to this audience and have a larger conversation about, about uh, mental health? But I think the other big research question we were asking by necessity was, how do you put on a play in a pandemic for a public that at that point was not vaccinated? Um, uh, for uh, along guidelines of Actors' Equity Union, which which demanded six feet distance, then ten feet distance, then you know all kinds of changing oh, wow. rules, and so um, there were a couple. You know, it just took very active collaboration of oh, how are we going to get this thing to move in this way? And so Hannah became an essential partner in that way. Um, but I think early on, one of the things that Hannah did was to create uh, what's called an actors' packet. Um, a research packet of, I don't know what it was, maybe 20 pages and then like links that. to a million articles. And do you want to say anything about the okay. actor's packet? The actor's packet, right, of course. <laughs> um, so it had a couple different components. First, um, I did a lot of the background research information on the show. So it's performance history, um, information about the people who had written it, um, sort of those components. And then I went through the text and pulled out a bunch of references that may have not been clear or required some further explanation or maybe, um, I don't know, another piece to bring into it, um, which I think for this show in particular, the places I thought that was most valuable was where there were discussions of um, suicide statistics or other mental health stuff, giving sort of the background information on that just so we as a team could approach that um in the way it was intended or in a i don't know more educated way and then um, at the very end i researched a bunch of resources both um locally in winona and then nationally because um, i think that was also an important part of the show we um told people that they could find these resources after they watched it in our festival offices um, yeah, so that was sort of the bare bones of the of the dramaturgical packet. But so you're um, not only putting together this packet that's aimed at the team producing the play, but then did you also um, do materials for the program and program notes that were directed at the audience? Um, I mean, you you talked about. Um, and Andrew did about facilitating conversations mm -hmm. afterwards. Was that a sort of separable part of the of the gig? Yeah. So the research I did from that original packet, I then 
adapted into a pre-show speech that I gave before every show, kind of as the audience was getting seated. So I presented a lot of that information um, just on the play, um, told people a little bit about the story. So the it, it generally follows a boy whose mother really struggles with suicide and then his like journey through that as he grows up. And um, yeah, but I think also fundamentally the show is about it's it's a funny show so it's about like both this grief this terrible grief and then also this joy so um just sort of priming the audience with that talking about a, a little bit of our process as well because i think a lot of people who came to see it were really interested in that um about how we worked and uh adopted it during the pandemic in particular and then after every show we would do a post-show talk back where any audience members who wanted to stay around could ask questions or share their reactions to the show. Um, and Andrew and Michael would kind of field those um, questions and I'd run around with a microphone. And <laughs> you did more than run <laughs> Hannah facilitated those conversations. Um, so I think in the pre-show, one of the great things that, that you did was immediately communicated that this was going to be kind of an interactive show because it's an interactive show. And so Hannah had this great moment in her pre-show, she gives some of the background and research, and then she would ask people to share um, their brilliant things, those things that felt, you know, really wonderful and amazing um, in their lives, you know. And so Hannah would begin, even before the show started, to say, this is a place where we're going to share our, where your story matters. This is a place where we are going to ask you to participate. And people would share, you know, wonderful things. Sometimes it, it was like my partner, or it was like <laughs> being at a theater in a pandemic, you know. Like, so there were some really fun things that were shared that she would facilitate. So she did a masterful job of like leading this, you know, background information and then having this sort of interactive world. And then at the end of the show, she always started with a certain question, which we talked about. And what was that question? <laughs> that question was. <laughs> If you were to leave this space now, say you're standing in the parking lot and you get a call from your best friend and they say, oh, hi, I haven't talked to you in a while. What did you do tonight? And you say, oh, I saw the show. It's called Every Brilliant Thing. And that friend is like, oh, I've never heard of it. What is it about? What would you say to that friend of yours? And so then that was sort of the opening way for people to talk about their various experiences with the show, which ranged incredibly from, you know, I don't know. People people shared a lot during those times. So it it strikes me as a little risky, right, um, to be opening up that space and that discussion after a play that deals with these very difficult issues. Did you have to cope with anything um, or prepare yourself to cope with anything that might come out in those discussions? Oh, yes, I, absolutely. I mean... People, people definitely shared a lot with all of us, I think, whether it was in that public space with everybody, or I know people would pull Andrew and Michael aside as well, or ask questions of us as well, relating to our own experiences with those things. So um, you never quite knew what you were gonna get that particular day. So um, in that way, sometimes, um, it would be like, oh, wow, I wasn't necessarily expecting that right now. But I also think after working on the show for so long and, um, I don't know, just processing a lot of that and being so ingrained in it, it was not ever something that was like um, 
personally uh, an issue for me, if that makes sense. You felt prepared. I felt prepared, yeah. But, but I, I'm going to um, push you because you, you um, interjected, oh, I hadn't expected that, and I wonder what was the range of responses to the show that maybe you hadn't anticipated or that you found in retrospect really interesting but not expected? Mm -hmm. um, well, there would be people who would um, talk about every brilliant thing and be like, oh, I have never thought about it this way before. This was entirely new to me. I've never like experienced anything like this. And then there would be people who'd be like, this feels intimately related to my own experiences. And um, I know Winona in particular is a place that has kind of grappled with a lot of these issues of suicide in particular. And so presenting the show for the Winona community definitely um, added another shade of um, what, what to, to the work we were doing. It added another um, element of it as well. People would often kind of come forward and share those experiences, sometimes particular moments in the show would I, I remember one in particular where there was um, kind of discussion of a specific instance, like a, a very specific episode related to this person's um, like attempts, and it very directly mirrored somebody else's, and then they shared that in the space. And so moments like that were often very. Um, that's one moment that sort of came out of the blue. <laughs> it's fascinating to me, um, just as someone who works in ancient theater and tragedy literature that, um, as I think of ancient tragedy, helps an audience deal with trauma as opposed to literature that traumatizes an audience. And I just wondered if either of you um, found you had insights about the power of drama to affect uh, a healing conversation in, in some ways as opposed to, um, to the danger of it igniting uh, potentially forces that you were nervous about unleashing. Yeah, I think one of the things in terms of triggering content is we tried to be very intentional about communicating what the play was. And so if you were coming, this was something that you were aware of that this was going to be said. But my experience was, I think, very similarly to some of the ways in which I hear um, some veterans talking about Greek tragedy, that it's my experience, but not my experience. It gives me um, a story on which to, you know, on which to kind of put my story, but it's just a little bit removed. Uh -huh. So I don't necessarily have to talk to about myself, but I can say, I know what that person's going through. Um, uh, and then sometimes it's an invitation to say, and my story's similar, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I think it's a very um, appropriate, um, analogy to talk about um, how Greek tragedy kind of functions as that kind of, in some ways, that healing place for various people. You know, you, you always want theater not just to be um, a, a story that is told, but an invitation for somebody else to tell their story. And I feel like that that invitation was taken up a number of times where people would come and say, look, I haven't thought about this, or I've been holding this inside me for so long. I can't believe that you did that, but thank you for starting a conversation about this. I do think there are other people too who were like, you know what, this could be triggering for people. And what are we doing about this? And I think there were a lot of ethical concerns that we had in the in the grappling with it. And I think sometimes, you know, sometimes I think it was probably 
triggering for people. And that's just one of those really uncomfortable realities you sit with as, a, as an artist who tries to do things that, that uh, provoke conversation. Sometimes you're going you're gonna to do something that isn't right for somebody. And I think there, there were a couple of times where that happened. Um, on the whole, I think it functioned more as, as invitation and as healing. But, but that is, that's, that's, what, that's what happens when you go there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, Hannah, as you um, as you think back over the work you did this summer, have, do you have any um, kind of thoughts about how you might carry that forward? About how any of the experience you had or the skills you practiced will help you um, elsewhere in your future? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <clears throat> um, first of all, being able to explore dramaturgy was so amazing because it's always. It's, it's been in the back of my mind, I don't know. Um, just as somebody who has loved theater my entire life and also an Englishy academic person as well, it did seem like a great intersection. So that is possibly something I'll want to explore further. Um, working in a professional repertory theater company the way that we did was such an amazing experience. There's There was like 90 company members, something like that. We all lived together. So super high intensity. Um, so being exposed to that world was something I would not have been able to have without this opportunity. Yeah, and just, I don't know. My ha- This was the first time that like I have presented my own kind of creative work, which is how I did sort of perceive this um, in a professional context, like any context outside of school. Um, so that was... Uh, really fascinating for me as well um, to have that experience. And then um, working during a pandemic as well in this setting, um, I definitely feel like a more flexible person now. (laughs) (laughs) My problem solving skills are through the roof. Uh, I feel ready for anything. So um, yeah, just as a holistic experience, I feel like I grew a lot. And whether I you know, go into do this sort of thing again with, you know, theater or I go somewhere else later on, I think I will have a lot to mine from my experiences this summer. It's <laughs> fantastic. For me, it's extraordinary. You know, I um, have had students, um, you know, do various things with me before and never funded. Um, and to be able to take a really talented um, young person, young adult, to experience all of these things and to, and to have that be, you know, sort of funded and to, to bring, I think this balance, which we often have at Carleton of this kind of very creative and this very intellectual, um, the kind of combination, which is where dramaturgy lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it was just such an extraordinary experience for me. And I think just one of those things that makes Carleton really unique, that such a program exists where students can become involved in this way and use, the best things that Carlton does in in contexts that aren't Carlton. So I would just I would just recognize that 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 this is an extraordinary program and and one that I, um, I I'm really grateful to be part of. You can find show notes for this podcast on our website at www.carleton.edu/humanities. There you'll also find more about student research partnerships as well as all the other programs supported by Carleton's Humanities Center. This podcast is a production of the Carleton Humanities Center and is edited by me, Clara Hardy, with original music by Will Hardy. 
Thanks, as always, to Austin Mason, Director of Digital Humanities at Carleton, and the Humanities Center Advisory Board for helpful suggestions and support. You can subscribe to Humanities Centered wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. Thank you.